0: Hello, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America, which is the founder and owner of the open access journal Lupus Science and Medicine that is produced by BMJ. On this podcast, we will be discussing the manuscript cross-sectional study of the effects of self-efficacy on fatigue and pain interference in Black women with systemic lupus erythematosus, the role of depression, age, and education. Our guests are... Dr. Christina Drenkert, Associate Professor of Medicine and Epidemiology in the Division of Rheumatology at Emory University School of Medicine and the Department of Epidemiology at the Rollins School of Public Health. And Dr. Teresa Brady, a Behavioral Scientist and Senior Consultant for Clarity Consulting and Communications. Let's begin with you, Dr. Brady. Explain for our audience the concept of self-efficacy what do we already know about its benefits? And in particular, what do we know about its potential benefits for people with lupus?
1: We in the healthcare professions have known that self-efficacy has been important for a number of years. It's a concept that came from Alfred Bandura and he defined self-efficacy as the conviction or belief one can perform the behaviors necessary to produce a desired outcome. Uh, we often talk about it as confidence, the individual's confidence that they can do what's necessary to achieve the outcome that they want. The early theory hypothesized that this level of confidence, this self-efficacy, influenced whether or not a person even attempted a behavior and whether they were able to sustain it over time, particularly in, in, if they ran into obstacles. In healthcare research, in chronic diseases specifically, we know that self-efficacy is related to both health behaviors and health outcomes. So in general, the research tells us that high self-efficacy is related to physical activity, to healthy eating, to the use of pain coping strategies, even adherence to treatment recommendations. The higher your self-efficacy is, the more benefit you have in those areas. It also is related to improved health status. So people with higher self-efficacy in general have less pain, stiffness, their function is better, their mood is better. In general, both physical and mental well-being are improved by high self-efficacy. Specifically in lupus, although we don't have as much research specifically in lupus, there has been some studies like self-efficacy for pain control. It has been related to lower pain and stiffness, less fatigue, less negative mood. There's a study that looked at a more general focus in self-efficacy, and that was actually related to less organ damage. So we have some hints of information about the benefits of self-efficacy among people with lupus.
0: Dr. Drenkard, anything you wish to add?
1: We believe it's very important
2: to really address this issue of self-efficacy in lupus for the reasons that Terry pointed out, but in particular among minority groups, which face more barriers to health education. And as Terry mentioned, self-efficacy can be modified by learning experiences, social experiences, so it's something that we aim to really modify in our Our population, particularly among those who have low levels, and as was already said by Terry, have been associated with poorer outcomes and with behaviors.
1: And I'd like to add one other element there, and that's an example of what self-efficacy is and is not. Self-efficacy is really this belief or confidence that I can do a behavior. It's not actually doing the behavior, and it's not just intending to do the behavior. So if I believe I can exercise, that's going to be important, even if I don't exercise, or even if I say, yeah, I'm going to exercise, but I never do. Those are different concepts. What we're really after here is that confidence that, yes, I could do that. And that's the nutshell of self-efficacy.
0: Okay. Dr. Drankard, tell us about the study population. What is unique about this cohort and your reasons you wanted to study this population?
1: We
2: focus our study on Black women with SLE because despite being the U.S. population with the highest susceptibility for the disease, also one of the groups more severely affected by the disease, Black women are underrepresented in all types of research. Additionally, we want to address whether individual characteristics among these women who often face multiple barriers to health education may impact the relationship between self-efficacy and lupus symptoms. And I want to emphasize that we wanted to address fatigue and pain as the study outcomes because these are among the most pervasive and difficult to manage symptoms in SLE. So we studied a cohort of 699 Black women with SLE from the southeastern U.S specifically from the large metropolitan Atlanta area. These women were enrolled into a study funded by the National Institute of Minority Health and Disparities, which we named Women Empowered to Live with Lupus, or Well." So the well study is conducted actually to examine the effectiveness of the chronic disease self-management program which is a well-established and widely disseminated program designed to enhance self-management skills through self-efficacy in people with chronic conditions i like to emphasize that participants of the WELL study are part of the Georgians Organized Against Lupus, or GOLD study, which is a large population-based cohort derived predominantly from the Georgia Lupus Registry. The GOLD cohort, and, and this study in particular, encompasses SLE patients of broad sociodemographic, diversity, and full clinical spectrum.
0: Okay, so let's now focus on how the study was structured. What did you look at, and how did you go about gathering the data?
2: So this is a cross-sectional analysis of data collected at baseline among those participants of the well study. We measure fatigue and pain interference as outcomes, as I said before, and two specific self-efficacy measures, self-efficacy to manage symptoms and self-efficacy to manage medication and treatment. We conducted a linear and multiple regression analysis to examine the relationship between each self-efficacy measure and each outcome. Additionally, we examined whether depression, age, and education may modify those relationships.
1: Self-efficacy is hypothesized to be domain-specific, so it's hard to look at a general concept. And in this study, we looked at both self-efficacy to manage symptoms, so how confident are they that they can do what's necessary to manage their symptoms, and then the self-efficacy to manage medications and other treatments. So we're looking at two elements of the self-efficacy puzzle here, which I think is a unique element that's helpful in this study.
0: So what were some of the demographics that you looked at?
2: We selected age and education because there are data from studies in the general population in other chronic conditions that have pointed out to different levels of response in terms of potentially self-efficacy depending on age of the participants and the educational attainment. And so those are I would say the elements that we base our rationale on to select these two variables.
1: And I'll, I'll add a little bit there because there are a lot of variables in this study. And so what we were really looking at is our two outcomes were pain, interference, and fatigue. And we wanted to look at the relationship between our two kinds of self-efficacy with each of those outcomes. And then we also want to look at some of the, the factors that uh, Christina identified in terms of depression age, education, and did any of those three factors alter the relationship between self-efficacy and our outcome of interest? And we were interested in that because, for instance, some of the self-efficacy enhancing interventions suggest that they may work differently with people of different education level or, or people with different ages. So this is a way to look more comprehensively at the picture of the relationship among all of these variables. Depression in
2: particular, I mean, it's a highly prevalent comorbidity in lupus. And there are also studies in people with other chronic conditions that indicate that maybe or suggest that there may be different level of self-efficacy or Uh, different responses to self-efficacy-building intervention in people who have more or less uh, depressive symptoms. So that's another important aspect of this study.
0: So what did you learn? What are the major takeaways you discovered through the analysis of your data?
2: So among these Black women with SLE, we found higher level of each self-efficacy measure to be associated with less fatigue and less pain interference. However, we found relatively greater effect, based on the slope of the linear regression analysis, a relatively greater effect of self-efficacy to manage symptoms than to manage medications on both outcomes. These findings were not unexpected, however, to our knowledge, these relationships have been not described previously in lupus in general or in Black women with this disease in particular. So we consider that these are some of the important take-home messages
1: to leave to the audience. And the one thing that I would add to that, because I agree the biggest take-home message is that as we expected, self-efficacy of either type is related inversely to our outcomes of interest. So as self-efficacy goes up, fatigue or pain interference would go down. In addition to that, however, we did find that depression made a difference in that relationship. So women at the same level of self-efficacy, if they had a high level of depression, they also had a higher level of fatigue. So it may be that depression can overcome or mute the benefits of self-efficacy.
2: That's a very good point. We consider depression have a potential moderation effect on the association between self-efficacy, fatigue, or pain interference. In a way that Terry pointed out, at any given level of self-efficacy, patients with depression had a disproportionately higher intensity of fatigue, than those without depression. The greatest and perhaps most surprising differences were, however, for women with high levels of self-efficacy, who also reported to have moderate or severe depression, so this is what Terry said, depression may potentially annulate or reduce the potential benefit of self-efficacy on these outcomes. And this is something very important to consider, and particularly among those women who have high levels of self-efficacy, which could show the higher effect of depression on the relationships. We also found that women with low symptoms, self-efficacy reported disproportionately higher pain interference. However, age did not interact with self-efficacy and fatigue. So older women with low self-efficacy had higher pain interference, but age did not interact with self-efficacy or fatigue. And education changed their relationship. Between self efficacy to manage symptoms and both fatigue and pain interference, indicating that college graduates had lower symptoms as self efficacy increased compared to less educated women. All these findings together suggest that while age and education may change, the beneficial effect of self-efficacy on pain and fatigue, depression may have a more pronounced negative effect, mostly, as I said before, among women with high self-efficacy
0: levels. Were there surprises in the data? And after your analysis, were you able to identify what might have led to those unexpected findings?
2: I say that in general, we tend to assume that patients from ethnic minorities have rather uniform disease characteristics and behaviors. We tend to put them together in the same kind of pack. However, this study underscored that among Black women with SLE, patients' characteristics have important and viable influences on the relationship between self-efficacy and these two pervasive symptoms, fatigue and pain. And I would say that the most surprising finding was the interaction effect of the pressure on the relationship between each self-efficacy measure and each outcome, which are mostly significant for women with high levels of self-efficacy. I was really surprised by this finding, which, as uh, Terry said, they suggest that the depression may overpower the beneficial effects of high levels of self-efficacy. And therefore, interventions to tackle depression may be needed to achieve better control of fatigue, even in people with high self self-efficacy. Those were the most impacting findings from my perspective.
1: And I would agree. The most surprising finding to me was that if you had enough depression, even high self-efficacy wasn't enough to protect you. Because in general, we know that as your self-efficacy goes up, you have less other symptoms. But at a certain level, depression can overcome that.
0: So what is the main takeaway from your study? What is the headline for this story?
1: I think my headline would be something like to produce good outcomes, you have to pay attention to psychological factors, depression, and self-efficacy. You can't pay attention to just one or the other.
0: So how might the major findings from your study affect the way lupus is managed and treated, especially among the study population? How can clinicians use this data to improve care and where might they focus their efforts to obtain the maximum benefit for their patients with lupus?
2: Pain and fatigue are among the most important treatment goals for SLE patients, really. So uh, these are patient-centered outcomes, the centerpiece from the patient perspective. So our findings point to this, the potential benefit of self-efficacy building interventions to alleviate these symptoms and improve the quality of life of Black women with SLE. But as we say before, we also need to focus on a psychological distress be meaningful about the age and the education of these patients to really select or address the issue in a way that can be improved or provide the best options for the black women female population with SLE.
1: And I would say that you can't successfully reduce your patient's pain interference or fatigue if you only focus on the physical side of the picture. You have to focus on that psychological side. And at a minimum, you could refer to self-management support interventions that do try to build self-efficacy and have been shown to reduce depression. And one of those examples is the chronic disease self-management program. You also, in your individual interactions, can pay attention to and can inquire about level of depression, but also level of confidence. If you're making a treatment recommendation, find out how confident your patient is that they can do that behavior and help them formulate a plan to do that behavior and ask them, how confident are you? If the plan is, you know, I'm going to exercise three times a week, how confident are you that you'll be able to do that on a scale of one to 10? And if they say, well, less than a seven, then let's simplify the plan so that they can succeed. Because one of the best ways to build self-efficacy is success experiences. So we'd rather make small steps forward that they can succeed at Instead a treatment recommendation that they see as unattainable or that they end up feeling like they fail. So make sure you're paying attention to these factors. Refer to the community resources to help you address the factors and pay attention in your clinical interactions to both self-efficacy and depression.
0: Are there any limitations associated with the study that listeners might need to take into consideration? Uh,
2: one important one is the cross-sectional design. Because of that, we cannot conclude that there is a cause-effect between self-efficacy and the study outcomes. Also, longitudinal studies are necessary to examine moderation and to provide better estimates of the change for each subset to be her own control. Another important limitation is that our findings are very generalized to Black women in the southeastern U.S., but uh, not to other racial groups in other regions or countries. Because we did not include non-SLE controls, we could not determine if our findings are specific for SLE patients with this demographic characteristic are unique to SLE or can be also
1: present in other chronic
2: conditions.
0: Any final thoughts you wish to add before we wrap it up?
1: You know, this was a, an SLE sample in uh, southeastern United States. However, the results are consistent with the body of research on self-efficacy, So there's nothing here that suggests that these results don't apply to other populations. So I think what it really does is add more detail and nuance to our growing body on self-efficacy with the understanding that, yes, this is the population that we studied, but there's nothing conflicting with what else we already know about self-efficacy from
0: these results. Well, congratulations on the publication of your manuscript. This is a very interesting study, and I want to thank you both for taking time to speak with me today. Our guests have been Dr. Christina Drenkert, Associate Professor of Medicine and Epidemiology in the Division of Rheumatology at Emory University School of Medicine and the Department of Epidemiology at the Rollins School of Public Health, and Dr. Teresa Brady, a Behavioral Scientist and Senior Consultant for Clarity Consulting and Communications. They discussed their manuscript cross-sectional study of the effects of self-efficacy on fatigue and pain interference in black women with systemic lupus erythematosus, the role of depression, age, and education. It is published in the open-access journal Lupus Science and Medicine and is available for free online at lupus.bmj.com. For the Lupus Foundation of America and BMJ, I'm Dwayne Peters. Thank you for listening.